Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 393.5, recorded on Sunday the 7th of August 2022. Trying not to get my tongue in a twist, I'm Norbert. Uh, nursing a sore back, I'm Bill. It's hot, I'm Joe. Reveling in fresh minty goodness, I'm Josh T. In our inner section, we discuss the changes we usually make to the systems and desktop environments we use to fit our workflows and to make ourselves feel at home. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. Regardless of what distribution I use or what desktop I use, some of the things that I will always do is... uh, Install the Papyrus icon theme, which is my favorite icon theme. And it even has, uh, there's a package called Papyrus folders, which is not in the distros, this, which is not packaged as far as I know in distributions, but you can get it from the Papyrus, uh, projects, uh, GitHub. And if you run that, you can change the folder colors. I didn't either. And honestly, I'll probably still always type sudo because habit. Is that on specifically on Mint, or are you talking any distribution? This is just a binary that you can download and run from the terminal, and it will change the colors for the uh, for the folders in the Papyrus icon set. And uh, for example, the default is blue, and when I'm using Fedora, I just leave it as blue. But I like to I like to change the uh, the folders to reflect the distribution I'm using. For example, if I'm using Debian, I might change them to blue, uh, red. If I'm using Void or uh, or OpenSUSE, I might change them to green. And uh, it it has a really nice teal. I, on Void, I usually use their teal colored folders because it, it's the closest to the Void logo. And I always uh, just... Uh, and I have uh, a custom .bashrc file that I use. And uh, I, I just replace the default bashrc on any, on any system with that. And... Uh, Two of the no- uh, two notable changes that I have in in it. Uh, one of them is that uh, the shell prompt, which is your username at hostname, and then the directory you are at, and then the dollar sign, which indicates that you're a uh, regular user. I have the I have a new line before the dollar sign, so the path to the directory where you are might be short, might be long, and if you have a long directory path then the the cursor and the part of the prompt where you actually type the command might be all the way to the right. But uh, I just have the dollar sign and uh, the cursor one line below all of the other things. So I can always just type and what I type will always be, will always be at the start of a line. So even if the, the directory path changes, I don't, uh, the, the place where I type is always at the very left side of the, of the terminal window. And I picked this up uh, from when I was using MX Linux, which had this uh, shell prompt arrangement by default. And I also have a bunch of aliases in my bashrc. Most notably, I have an if else uh, sort of. I'm not sure if it's called a loop, but it basically it's a way. My bashrc is this way. My the bashr this way my shell can detect what package managers are on the system. So, for example, when I start the terminal, it will try to see if there's Pacman on the system. If there is, it will set uh, my default uh, aliases for installing and removing uh, packages and updating the system for Pacman. And if it doesn't fight Pacman, it will try to see whether there's apt. And if there's no apt, it will check for DNF and uh, zipper and, and so on. So that uh, whenever I use the same, I use the same bashrc on any system. I just have one copy it, one copy of it on my data partition, and I just sim link it to my home directory. So even if I'm uh, dual booting, uh, for example, right now Fedora and Void, I can use the same bashrc. And whenever I open a terminal, I can just use, for example, if I want to install something, I can just type install and then the package name, and it will use the, the correct package manager because it already set the alias for it when I open the terminal window. And uh, these aliases are install, remove, upgrade. So instead of uh, typing sudo apt update and sudo apt upgrade or sudo dnf upgrade or sudo pacman syu, I can just type upgrade, which I set as alias, and it will know what uh, package manager to call. 
And a drawback of this is that uh, I can I might forget the default uh, commands for the various package managers because I can just afford to use my own aliases. Uh, I I might forget them over time, but it's just it's just. Uh, creature comforts. I also usually replace grub with refined, which is a great tool if you're dual booting. If you just have one single uh, operating system, it's not very useful. You can just uh, use whatever whatever came with your system, either grub or or systemd boot. But refined is just a nice uh, graphical way to, of selecting uh, what operating system to, to boot into. And I created my, my little icon pack for the distros I use. And uh, and uh, for the system itself, regardless of what distribution or what desktop I use, I tend to install a, a handful of GNOME applications that I just like to use uh, on any desktop environment. The most notably File Roller, which is the, the archive manager for GNOME. The disk usage utility tool, the GNOME disks, uh, Evans, which is the uh, documents UR, and for example, the GNOME calculator, which is a simple calculator, but I just like how it looks. And I always keep my files, my documents on a separate uh, files partition and not in my home directory. And what I used to do is just symlinking those uh, folders. Like maybe I, I would have slash files slash documents and I would create a symlink for it in my home directory instead of having a documents folder. But I realized that inside your .config, there's a file called user dirs dot dears uh, I think is which is the xdg user directories where you can set a specific path for example your downloads directory and if you if I were to set instead of uh, my home slash downloads uh, slash files slash downloads as my downloads directory then all of the applications that use this specification which is most of them would pick up on it and when I would want to download something in my browser it would default to slash files slash downloads instead of my instead of home slash slash downloads. So that is a more I do that same thing and I'm sorry, Norbert. Uh what I used to do is use a second hard drive and I would literally just mount that to the home directory. And then what I discovered was that because many of your applications are sourcing that dot config directory, which is in your home directory, you're gonna want that to because normally on a on a situation like that, I've got the system installed on like an NVMe drive, and then my home directory would be on like a either a spinning Rust or a slower regular SSD drive that's a lot bigger to give me more space. But then I discovered the system runs better. If you've got that dot config running in the faster drive. So I started mounting, I started mounting the, or I'll just letting it install the normal way where the home directory is mounting it on the same drive as the system, all the system files, and then just create a second drive. And then, yeah, go into that user.ders, uh, file and changing the path that the, folders use and then I would go one step further and change those folders in the home directory to sim links that go somewhere on that on that much bigger drive that way you know you've got both your applications are running and when they go to download something they're putting it on the bigger drive but also when you double click in your file manager you're taken off to that second drive as well so this is a way a more elegant way than what I was using doing with the same links for because for example when I had the same link in my home slash downloads downloads was the same link to slash file slash downloads and for example I would want to to give permission for a flat pack to use it to see the directory and I would give permission for my home slash downloads it flat pack would sometimes get confused because it's the same link to slash files slash downloads which it doesn't have permissions for so just have it just uh, leave just not using the same links and just point it because if i said slash file slash downloads to be the downloads directory in that uh, config file then flatpak will automatically say okay if you if you want me to just have access to your downloads directory i see that that is your downloads directory and it works and because i have the oh my both of my machines i have the the data partition and the system partition on the same disk uh Speed isn't really a factor, but because I'm dual booting two distros still, I couldn't just have my config, my entire home directory on a separate partition because I, because uh, sharing the same config.config directory between various distributions is not a good idea because of uh, version mismatches between various packages and programs. Uh, so that, that has been stuff that I usually do 
regardless of what I use. But on my desktop specifically, I mostly use XFCE. And on my laptop, I either use GNOME or Sway. And these three has have been the desktops that I can really feel myself at home. Uh, interestingly, on my desktop, I haven't really found anything that I like as much as XFCE. Somehow, XFCE and I, we just, just get each other. <laughs> and uh, the window management is really close to what I what I want from my desktop, especially with uh, multiple displays. Because I know that GNOME has a really good way of handling multiple displays, but I feel like XFCE's window management, when it comes to multiple displays, is a lot closer to what I, what I found comfortable. So on my desktop with NVIDIA, I don't really plan to move to either the GNOME or the Window Manager or even Wayland because I just, I mean, if XFC moved to Wayland, I would try that, but it's not just, it, it's not about Wayland uh, compatibility with NVIDIA, it's just how much I like XFC. And on XFC, I usually just have a single panel at the top. I say single panel because, but it's not really a single panel, it just looks like a single panel uh, because on XFC, there's no way to position something on the panel to exactly the middle of the screen. You can position something to the middle of uh, a given empty space. But for example, if uh, the number of icons on the system tray changes, that will change the amount of free space. So because I have the icons for the open windows set center that would move around as well. So I just have three separate uh, panels, one of them like a 25% panel on the left and right and the 50% in the middle. So they just touch each other and it's really seamless. Uh, they correct seamlessly. It doesn't even, you can't even tell that it's three different panels, but they, it gets the job done. So because I only have the open window indicator uh, icons on the middle panel, I can properly set it to the middle. This is something that you don't have to go through these hoops uh, to do, for example, on on Budgie or uh, on or GNOME with uh, Dash 2 panel, or even, I think, uh, Cinnamon or KDE. It's just one thing that, uh, I guess, uh, it's it's really just my only uh, complaint about uh, XFCE, uh, this, uh, this, the, the lack of proper uh, cent uh, center alignment. So I only have the, the open window icons in the middle of the panel. On the left, I have uh, the workspace indicators, which are not little uh, thumbnails, but numbers. Like, uh, it was in, it's, in, it's inspired by the usual setups for most window managers, where they have just the, the numbers for workspaces at the top left. And uh, I don't uh, have uh, the whisker menu because I just replaced it with your launcher. It's something that I like to use with XFCE. And your launcher can even uh, sometimes pick up on the GTK theme, I think. Or I'm, no, I mean, I even created a th my own theme for, for your launcher, which matches my, my GTK theme, which is uh, called Skios. I hope I pronounced that right. It's S-K-E-U-O-S. And I specifically like their dark theme. It's a slightly blue tinted uh, theme, uh, which I actually prefer on my, on this display as opposed to the, the default, uh, at beta theme, for example, of GNOME, which is a, which is a, a gray, uh, not tinted theme. And at the right, uh, on the panel, I just have the system train, the date and the time. And, uh, while I, when I previously said that I installed a lot, lot of GNOME applications, for example, disks and, uh, the, their, for example, their, uh, archive manager, I do still like to, I do like a lot of XFC applications. And when I'm using XFC, I will use them. For example, Tuner, the default file manager and XFC terminal. I just use those in, on XFC and XFC. And they have a really nice uh, search utility called Catfish, which I like uh, for finding files, doing file searches. I, I find it to be a very uh, useful utility, but uh, when I end on my laptop, I usually use GNOME and Sway, uh, both both on Sway, uh, both on Wayland. And when it comes to GNOME, I actually don't uh, customize the lot. I I can use it fine without any extensions. I don't have a problem with using plain GNOME as it is. But when I do use extensions, I usually use uh, Blur My Shell, which is just uh, a cosmetic addition. Uh, it replaces the, the gray uh, background in the overview and the application grid with a blurred version of your wallpaper. And I also like tray icons reloaded, which just uh, gives you app indicators. And there, and I would, I also want to, uh, highlight the extension called Babar taskbar, 
it's B A B A R taskbar. It uh, it adds a sort of uh, it adds it adds a menu system to the top left of the GNOME panel, which is similar to what I described in XFC and the window managers. It it adds numbered icons for your workspaces, but in addition to the work, the icons for the workspaces, it also shows the icons next to those numbers of the windows that you have open on those workspaces. So it's a, it essentially shows icons for your open windows and applications, but it, it groups them per, it groups them and it, but it puts them in groups for each workspace. So if you take a look at your panel, you can immediately see what applications are on which workspaces, which, uh, which for example, you can, you can, you don't have on the default uh, GNOME dash, which is the, the dock like thing in the overview. It shows you what applications you have open, but it doesn't show what workspace they are on. And I like it. This, uh, this even gives you the option to just click on the numbers to go to a specific workspace uh, when your hand happens to be on the mouse or just click on the applications. And uh, it's not quite like dash to panel because dash to panel turns your panel into a taskbar. And this one just, uh, adds a couple of small indicators at the top left which happen to be interactive and you can even uh, it, you can even have uh, and you can even add multiple menus so you can have, have add a button which is a one click uh, button for the application grid and uh, last but not least uh, sway uh, i've been using sway uh, as my wayland window manager for a couple of weeks i think it it's been over a month now and uh, I take kind of a minimalistic approach when it comes to it. I just have a single bar at the top, which is, which looks like how most people have their bars on window managers, left side, uh, workspaces, right side, uh, system info and trackers. But I specifically moved the, the date and time to the middle, which, uh, I realized that I really like. Uh, GNOME is the only desktop that does that, but I just, uh, I just became fond of that approach. And uh, that's really all there is to what I wanted to talk about, uh, say, about my setup. Bill? Well, when it comes to customization, it really depends on my, well, for my part, it depends on which machine you're talking about because I've, I've got machine, well, like this machine I'm talking about or talking on is running Mint and it's got a specific layout and then the machine that I use upstairs in the living room is running Endeavor OS, and it's got a specific layout. And then the machine I take on the road with me is different yet. Three different desktop environments, three different layouts, and I'll get into that. And three different workflows as well? Yeah, completely. Um, on this machine, there's a few things that are different. For uh, Well, first and foremost, I've got three monitors hooked up on this thing. I've got my taskbar over on the monitor to my left. The monitor to my center is just a plain desktop, which is like, for example, right now I've got OBS Studio running, and that's what I use to see the other show hosts on. And that way I'm looking at them when I'm interacting with them and, and talking. And then uh, the monitor to my right is... uh I've got Discord. It's divided into three sections, Discord and Telegram on the left, and then OBS Studio is running in a Mint uh, web apps version of the Firefox browser running the video.ninja page, and I'm running the uh, the director's panel off to the right. That way I can keep track of what everybody's doing. The left monitor, I've got uh, two Firefox pages. One, The one on the right is giving me the show notes, and then the one on the left is showing me the uh, YouTube stream. And then on top of that, I've got a small window where I've got the uh, comments for the uh, YouTube stream running. That way I can partake on that conversation. But as far as, uh, like... Any changes I make when I when I installed Mint on this machine when I first got it, the only things I did was, and I'm running Cinnamon by the way, um, I moved. I guess the default, if I remember right, the default install has the Show Desktop button sitting next to the Menu button. I think that's right. Yeah, 
I moved that all the way to the right on the taskbar, much the same way that Windows is laid out. Just sorry. Um, and then I replaced that with a uh, uh, a cinnamon desklet or uh, applet that gives me a list of the uh, bookmarks for the file manager so I can go directly to a certain folder. And then I pin the software manager. I don't remember what's pinned by default, but I've got right now the software manager, Firefox. Um, I've got Thunderbird on here. And the only, the only thing I've got Thunderbird set up to monitor is the Gmail accounts that are specific to Mintcast. Um, a lot of our business type Gmail goes to our Mintcast at Gmail address and then our correspondence with the community goes to mintcast at mintcast.org and the only reason that's the case is because when google was doing their little thing where they were telling everybody that they they were pulling a rug out from under us a few months ago i switched a lot of our business related stuff to the at gmail account and so i monitor both of those with thunderbird and then i've got audacity obs studio um, the cinnamon terminal and uh, have you control uh, pinned to that taskbar. Other than that, I change almost nothing with cinnamon. It is pretty much laid out the way in a way that is comfortable for me. Mint has always been good about just kind of making things usable as is from day one. You might make one or two tiny little changes such as I just described right there but other than that it's it's pretty much usable out of the box that's always been the resounding uh, positive thing about running mint is that it's just it's just usable from day one um, yeah, like, like I said uh, before we started recording and I had connectivity issues uh, I mean, I'm still using Void, and I guess I, I guess I just chose suffering <laughs> because not every, things just tend not to work properly out of the box. But uh, you, man- you mentioning uh, pinning stuff to the to the panel reminded me, reminded me that I didn't mention how I like to set key bindings for a lot of things. Uh, for example, on my laptop, I just have separate key binding for opening Discord and even LibreOffice and stuff like that. I think now that you mention it, I do have. The only custom keybinds I do is a I keybind the super to the M to quickly mute the microphone for when we're on the show and I just you know it's really easy that way. And that mutes it in yeah, that mutes it in um pulse audio, so it just mutes it all the way across the hardware. Um and then I also have a control alt H and that uses uh what is that called? K Docker, which will dock any application down into your system tray, which like will hide it down in there and keep you from screwing it up <laughs> like Audacity or something like that. Cause we use Audacity to do the recording for our show. And sometimes at first I wasn't comfortable with that being open in the, you know, on the taskbar there. I was afraid I might hit it and then turn it off. I don't do it anymore, but I've got you control. Alt-H will uh, iconize or send to the tray whatever the focused window is, and it docks it there. And then, no, uh, K-Docker is a, uh, I think it's QT-based, actually. Um, it's it's just a separate application you have to install. But it works pretty well. It's kind of the successor of Alt-Tray, which still works um, for a lot of things, but uh, K-Docker is just a little bit. More modern, I think. I have Control Shift Escape uh, to open the GNOME Task Manager. This is the same key binding that I got used to on Windows because on Windows Control Shift Escape brings up the Task Manager. So I just Im- implemented the equivalent on Linux. And uh, GNOME's uh, GNOME uh, Task Manager system monitor is also something I use on XFC as well. I think there's some distros out there that have that I've noticed in the past have. Uh implemented that same thing. I think Pen Guy back in the day, I tried Pen Guy one time and Control Alt Delete brought up the 
uh, what do they call it? The uh, system monitor or whatever. Yeah, a lot of people know about Control Delete, but uh, nowadays on Windows it doesn't directly open the Task Manager. It opens that menu where you can uh, have various. And one of these options is Task Manager, yeah, and stuff like that, and maybe Switch User. And if you just if you press Control Shift Escape, it just uh, brings you straight to the Task Manager. So I just I don't even use Control Delete. I haven't used it for years. So even so, I just started using Control Shift Escape on Linux as well. Right on. So that's my machine down here. Um, now, okay, upstairs, my laptop, which is the Omen that sits in the living room that I, it's on a TV tray, and I just kind of slide that up to the couch when I'm doing stuff that I can that I can concentrate on while I'm sitting in the living room with the family, like you see Joe is right now. I've got a setup up there too. I wouldn't dare make make the show from up there because there's just way too much life going on around me up there. Um, well, normally I'd be in the garage where there's less people, but it's yeah, 100 and something degrees. But it's like 300 degrees in Texas right now because you're closer to the sun. But uh, and I don't I don't have a nice microphone up there or anything either. Um, that is running Endeavor OS for a long time. I've been running proper arch up there and from time to time even arch linux and i know people disagree with this but i maintain even arch linux needs to be nuked and paved from time to time because you get especially if you're the kind of person that tries new software you know you're into the you're into the podcasting scene and you're hearing about things and you're trying them out and yeah this don't work for me i'm gonna i'm gonna nuke it off of here you know croft bit rot tech you debt, whatever you all call of that it. stuff and it's just good to start from scratch and so recently i got rid of it and i decided i was going to get give endeavor a try and psh, that's probably just the way I'm gonna go. I'm not sure as if long it's as that that different in this uh, in this uh, regard because it still just uses the same Arch repositories and it doesn't. It is absolutely Arch, yeah. Other than automating the installation of your desktop, it doesn't really. I mean, for example, I know that the official way of maintaining an Arch system is you have to check the Arch uh, news, and sometimes you ha it tells you to. You're supposed to. to yeah, so you're, sometimes it tells you to. Tells you that you do have to you have to do some manual intervention before upgrading and stuff like that, and I think that still applies to the endeavor because that you can that's not something that can be easily uh, circumvented when you are using the Arch repos. The thing about using Arch too is you have to remember to there's a lot of little little details you've got to get done like enabling a time server and. Uh, just tiny little things like that. And Endeavor just handles all that for you, you know. So a lot of the reason somebody like me ever used Arch was, you know, partially for all of the control it gives you, partially for all the things that you learn. But I'm going to admit that in in some cases it's an ego trip too you know i'm able to i'm able to install arch and get it running and get graphical and i feel like not everybody else is able to do that so i'm and now arch has I'm a linux a, ninja an improved uh, installer itself yeah i haven't tried that yet i just i went with endeavor and then you you install that and they've even got full native support for butterfs now and so you know, I'm the same with Fedora. Fedora is my just works distro, and then <laughs> later, to, later, uh, earlier today, I upgraded my Fedora install on my laptop to to Rawhide because I wanted to try the GNOME 43 Alpha, and that was before I knew that I had to fall back to Fedora for recording the show. So right now I'm recording from Fedora Rawhide, which is to which is like the most like. Which is, I think, I guess it's like Debian testing, but I'm not sure how it compares in terms of. Stability. I think it's like <laughs> Rawhide is kind of more akin to something like uh, Sid on Debian or Arch. And I yeah. converted my Debian installation to Sid a couple of weeks ago because I was just which works fine. I too. mean, it, it works fine because I did that because yeah. when I was running testing and I kept saying that some packages are were available in Sid really, really early. 
after when they came out, but it took uh, a bit longer to get to testing. For example, stuff like the the, uh, the NVIDIA driver. So I decided to update to Sid and see whether it works. And it for now it works. I've got Sid on a KVM on the machine upstairs, and it's been running for two years, and I've never had a single problem with it. How often do you? I mean, I don't upgrade. use it for a lot of things. Uh, every time I start it, I'll run an up- upgrade, which is usually about once a month, actually, and it's it's about what you would expect from Arch. It's a lot of upgrades, but nothing ever breaks. Mm. I just upgraded um, my so. system today after not using it for like three weeks, and it was uh, more than a gigabyte of of downloads. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, but you're getting you're getting the stuff. Maybe not quite the same way as Arch, where it just kind of like you got you feel like you've got a direct channel to the project because you you can get several updates a day. I'm not quite sure if it works like like that with Sid. Mm. Even but even, uh, it's it's relatively quick. Even Google moved from Ubuntu LTS to using a Debian testing based system for their internal usage because they wanted to have the latest software, which is interesting because the LTS of Ubuntu is specifically for companies who don't want to deal with upgrades. But I guess Google does, it doesn't fit Google's use case because they do want to have updates and relatively soon. Well, it's a different world, isn't it? Where, you know, that this, the Linux technology is moving at a pace at which if you're not keeping, it used to be if you weren't keeping up, it wasn't a big deal because it wasn't a lot of drama, you know. Nowadays, crying out loud, there's, there's things being enabled and, and, uh, things changing at such a rate to where if you're not keeping up you get completely left behind and even but anyway even things like not having the latest version of for example the valent development and also wine if you want to do something that had that uh, if i want to use something that uh, emulates a windows environment like uh, play on linux or bottles or uh Anything that uses yeah, wine, I mean, you, and you and wine gets wine, Wayland, Pipewire, yeah, yeah. all those things. If you're not keeping up, you're it's just not working. So, but that machine upstairs, it's running Endeavor. I went ahead and Endeavor's uh, icon theme, and uh, uh, well, that's running KDE Plasma now. Endeavor's flagship desktop is XFCE which I use XFCE on the machine I take on the road, but on the one upstairs, I, I want it to be the one I run Plasma on. Most of, the, most of the reason for all this is just so that I can keep up with the, the, you know, the development of these things for content on here purposes, but also just for my own curiosity. And KDE, as we all know, is a, uh, or Plasma, as I should say, is a constantly moving target. And there's always improvements going on there. And it works great. Um, XFCE is really nice. But one it is, to get to yeah, and <laughs> I have a friend who started using Linux a year ago. And he went from Pop! OS to, I think, KDE and then to XFCE. And he absolutely loves XFCE. I I wish it was better known. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I wish it had more XFCE. resources for development. Yeah, it's it's a slow moving project. It really is. I I like that there's some movement towards Wayland on that. I honestly I didn't really. I mean I don't know that I'm surprised that that's happening, but I'm I'm pleasantly it's surprised. It's kind of I like guess. a semi official uh, move to Wayland because it's just yeah. one of the developers who is sort of doubling with Wayland and which may or may not get uh, uh, upstream to XSC itself. But I guess you could make the argument that XSC users like their desktop devotees and they don't really mind. I mean, I don't really mind it not moving as fast because I just, I can just rely on it being the same whenever I have something to get. I mean, I mean, it's not like GNOME changes that much or any other desktop environment, but XFC is, feels like one of these uh, certainties in life, if that makes sense. I found it interesting that XFCE added screensavers to their native installation, like just last year, at a time when almost nobody's using screensavers anymore. <laughs> I I but, just been thinking about using a screensaver because, well, I guess I ca- I mean I haven't gotten around to setting up a Sway Idle. Which uh, in, in Sway, it's what uh, 
it's a package that uh, handles things like turning off your screen when when it's the computer is idling and i haven't bothered to set that up yet so whenever i just whenever i just don't use it i just uh, uh, close it and it goes to sleep but uh, once or twice i had to leave it on for it to work or something in the background and then i just uh, that was a point when I thought it would be nice to have a screen server because I know that bur- screen burning isn't, it's not supposed to be a big issue nowadays, but it might still be something that's worth preventing. I'm not sure. You still see it sometimes in like industrial cases where the same thing is sitting on an LCD or an LED screen for a long period of time. Anyway, to move along, uh, that machine upstairs running KDE Plasma um hate me if you want folks but i set that thing up to look almost exactly like windows 11 i've got a regular panel with uh all of my launchers sitting in the middle well and their icon only launchers default of plasma already kind of looks like windows well i moved it to the center though Uh, the way uh windows 11 is and i and i have no explanation other than i just liked it right there in the center if all it is going to be is an icon only you kind of thing the the button for the the menu on the left or in the center with the other icons it's in the center Mm, interesting you like to leave it sorry folks I mean, you can, you, yeah. I mean, I'm also, I mean, I have my cute applications themed to look like Liberdweight on my laptop. Like the, the, for example, Dolphin. Because I, because I mostly use GTK apps and I wanted to, wanted to have the handful of cute apps to integrate with them. Right. And I know, no, no theming KD apps to look like GNOME apps is, it sounds a bit weird. But it's, it's no, because that's, yeah, but you, it's just, it's, you're wanting things to have a continuity yeah, yeah, that know, you're used to, you know, that's, you know. So that's all I can really say about that machine. The one I take on the road is running proper Arch. And the reason it's running proper Arch is because connectivity is a big issue. And I don't want anything getting on the Internet doing anything um, in the background. And Arch is the way to go for that because there's no automated checking for updates or anything like that um, without you typing the commands. And that's running XFCE. And uh, basically, I, with the exception of changing over to the Arc theme, uh, I run the Arc theme, and then I've got a few shortcuts sitting in the taskbar. And then the biggest change I make is I go into the Settings Manager, or the Settings, what do they call that? Settings the, Manager. Uh, XFCE Settings Manager, and... There's also the Settings the, Editor, which is something The Settings different. Editor. Yeah, the setting the settings editor, which is more of akin to the uh, uh, oh the thing on Windows where you registry. The, the registry editor. Yeah, and you can change the method by which it does the um, sync vertical sync. If you change that to GLX, then you don't have any screen tearing. Wait, and, wait, wait. Uh, I, it, I, it, I have to look up. Yeah. look this up. <laughs> you have to try settings that. editor. Where is that? It's the VSync. Go into XFWM4, yeah. and then there's a setting in there. For v- anyway, let me walk away for, for a second. I'll be right back. And in the meantime, why don't you go ahead, uh, Josh, and tell us about your setups. Okay. Well, um, I also usually don't do a whole lot in the way of customizing my installs, apart from using a dark theme. That's just a must for those of us with light-sensitive eyes. And for the most part, I find that the defaults on the distros I use are fairly sane. So I tend to stick with them. On Mint, with the Cinema desktop, I do little more than switching to the dark theme. I add the Inhibit and Weather Applets to the panel. Um, inhibit to uh, prevent the the power saving functions to start and, you know, shut down your monitor and whatnot. And, uh, I place a system monitor desk, desk lid on my desktop to monitor the basics, you know, CPU temp network, that kind of thing. Uh, CPU activity. Then using the web apps application, I create a few launchers to place in the panel for my most used web pages and uh, call it a day. I like to keep it simple so that in the event that I have to reinstall, uh, it's as quick and painless as possible. 
Not that that happens too frequently, but I uh, just like it to be easy. So uh, on the second distro I'm currently using, which is Majaro KDE, I do pretty much the same thing. Um, with KDE, there's a few extra steps to deal with in terms of how I prefer to interact with the desktop environment itself, but most of them are like really minor changes. It's not really worth going through them all. But uh, again, I use it pretty much as it comes out of the box. The only exception that I have is when I do a Debian install because I do use XFCE on that. And uh, it comes in a really stock basic form. So it's ugly <laughs> and it and it definitely needs some tweaking. So it requires a little bit more. Such are the ways of Debian. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much everything in Debian, all the desktop environments come out pretty stock. So, yeah, it requires a little more elbow grease to whip into something usable. You know, like I have the whisker menu and configure shortcuts and that kind of thing. Oh, right. The whisker menu doesn't come by default on Debian, No, right? no, they use the, the basic uh, XFCE menu, I think it is. So you have to get rid of that and replace it. Which isn't a big deal, but it's something I like to do. And uh, I also usually add. An but it's also something that you have to know to to where to to find. Right. But, um, why doesn't why doesn't it come by default? I, I'm not sure. I think it would make I sense. I think it's just again that Debian tends to ship things very stock. It's uh, it's. No, I mean the 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 choice uh, by the XFC developers to not have it by default. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, it kind of depends on the distro, I think, because a lot of them do ship it with the whisker menu by default. So I think, again, that's just a Debian thing more than anything else. Yeah. yeah I'm just wondering hey, what I, the reason could be on the part, on the part of the, the XFC, XFC team, but the, they don't have it. That was a separate, that started off as a separate, uh, uh, project that came long after XFCE. In fact, I think Whisker Menu came out in the uh, late 2010s. And I remember the guy that made that went by the screen name Grammy or something like that. And when he made that Whisker Menu, it was a game changer for XFCE because there really wasn't anything like it. And then you started seeing distributions, including it by default, but it wasn't i i don't know that it's actually it comes with arch interestingly enough when you install xfce but that that setting i was telling you about is v blank mode if you change that to glx it takes away all the screen tearing on xfce i actually prefer to use a default xfce application menu and not the whisker menu because uh, I just replaced uh, uh, the search functionality of Whisker menu by using uLauncher. And when I want to go into the menu and uh, search for something manually, I find the default XSA menu easier to navigate. At least for me, it's easier. But this is my road machine that I take on the road, and it's just got a simple little Arch Linux. It looks like a race uh, car. The yeah. color scheme. Yeah, it's red. It's red, matches my truck. But it's got stickers all over it for... As it should be. Yeah. For all kinds of stuff. Yeah, pretty much all my laptops and tablets have stickers on them. This has got a pen but, uh, No moving parts whatsoever. No fan, nothing. Was yeah, that, was that much, everything, Josh? I, mean, I don't really do much more than, you know, add an icon pack, do some work on customizing the panel, and I don't really ever go into Debian with a plan. It's just kind of whatever I feel like at the time, you know, go grab a theme, go grab a different icon pack, whatever, because Debian's pretty static in terms of the packages. Uh, I run stable usually. So I like to just kind of uh, have a different lo uh, look to the desktop each time so it keeps it a little more fresh. So More than I really do, I mean... I, I like cinnamon. I generally like the way it all is. So all I do is, you know, uh, unpin some things from the panel and pin Chrome, pin Telegram, pin Discord, WhatsApp, and 
but um, VLC, um, pin that. Of course, I have to install all of those items because they don't come stock with uh, Mint. But change the background, maybe something comic book related or television show related, and that's it. I'm ready to go. I mean, I, I think that just kind of goes to speak about the usability of Mint, you know, is that it's just you can install it and get right up and moving. Oh, Maybe one. Some of it is also that, you know, I changed my workflow to match what Cinnamon provided because for a while there I was, you know, having to do reinstalls quite often for whatever reason. And then that was several years ago. So I just wanted my reinstalls to be as simple as possible. So... Now, Cinnamon's come a long way. I started, I actually installed Cinnamon in the early GNOME 3 days, which was a long time ago. I don't remember. I mean, I remember, in fact, I used to think that Mate was a mint uh, project because that was the first distribution I ever saw Mate on, and that was all... currently involved in the Mate development of the way, but I'm not sure how they yeah. relate to it. In the beginning, that was the only distribution I saw Mate on, and that was all in reaction to the move to... If you remember, um, that whole GNOME 3 thing kind of was in line with the Windows 8 and 8.1 thing where it was all kind of moving towards a all touch interface kind of workflow and everybody was just everybody just lost their mind so when mate and basically everything changed at the same time linux and windows well it it changed and it turned out that it was an unnecessary change because that that change in workflow that was being that people thought we were moving towards really never kind of happened not on the windows side not i mean not on any side i i I think you've got your your touch devices i do that's why i like uh, gnome but i don't think everybody i i think that's a minority though i i still i I still i'm still not comfortable with using gnome on the desktop with a mouse so i i can completely understand people when they say they don't like gnome but under the hood it has some Really nice improvements. It had some really nice improvements since uh, it, since uh, 2011. For example, the the ma- most notable in matter and their composition. But I I think I wouldn't mind seeing the Unity project move forward too because that that kind of was a that kind of took that that whole touch interface kind of paradigm and bridged it in a usable way in my opinion and i didn't feel that way at the time but now it still feel you'd go back and you look at it and it still feels kind of modern you know compared to how yeah, a lot I of think things there was work. just an update to the uh unity respin too and that's a that is a sharp yeah, looking really distro nice. too yeah I, at first i was a bit opposed to having uh, the panel the the dock a full-size dock on the left. Oh, there's a car going by. I will wait for that. We uh, don't hear uh, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At first, I was a bit opposed to having an always visible dock on the left side of the screen, what Ubuntu does still, which takes up space. But I I don't, I don't use that paradigm, but I became sort of okay with it. I understand. Uh, it makes It makes sense. It made sense for Unity. I'm not sure it makes sense for uh, Ubuntu on GNOME. I'm I. I suppose it it's taking up real estate. Real estate on the side of the screen is a little bit less impactful than taking up real estate on the bottom in a widescreen monitor era. Yeah, you know, that's something that Popo has does by default. Just having an always visible dock, which takes up space right now. So, for example, yeah. If I if I do 
flagship installs of Ubuntu, though, the first thing I get rid of is Ubuntu Dock, and then basically you just get what looks like a regular GNOME yeah. installation. I realized so. I realized uh, last year that I don't really like Docs at all, because when I moved to XFCE, which was the time when I f- moved to Linux altogether on my desktop, I've been using GNOME on my laptop. On my desktop, I moved to X- I started using XFCE, and I added a dock at the bottom, which was which was set to auto intelligent auto hide, but after a while I just uh, I just removed it and I just put back the window indicators on the panel at the top, because I just like to have everything at the top because that's where usually all the the window decorations and the settings and most of the stuff that you want to click on is at the near the top of the screen to begin with, so it makes sense to have the this is why I have the top panel as opposed to the bottom panel. I suppose you got less mouse travel, I suppose, to get out all the window controls. Yeah, I could see the point in that. Um, the default XFCE, or at least the default Zubuntu, used to include the panel at the top. And then, well, it used to have a second, much larger panel at the bottom that was more like a dock. Yeah, that's the same as and the And then they got XFCE. away from doing that. Yeah. I'm thinking they got away from doing that, though. I'm not 100% sure. But they do still have the panel at the top. I wanted to ask uh, everyone, You, most of you mentioned uh, setting an icon theme, but you didn't name any specific icon themes. Which ones do you usually use? Well, with KDE Plasma on the machine upstairs, you basically have the Breeze theme... And with recent updates to to Plasma, you can actually set a, uh, what do they call it? A, uh, you can set a, a, a general color for the theme, a highlight color or whatever. And then it will change the color of the icons to match more conducibly the colors of your, of your uh, desktop. You're still using the Breeze theme. But you're changing the colors, which basically changes the whole look of the theme altogether. So it's kind of running a, uh, it's running what looks like the default, like what you would get in the flagship install of uh, Endeavor OS, except it's actually just Breeze under the hood. And then for the XFCE that I take on the road that I was just showing you, that's running the ARC theme, which you can get. There's With Arch, it's kind of strange because there's an ARC icon theme in the default repos, but it's not an updated version of it. If you want the updated version of the ARC theme, you have to install it from the AUR, and uh, that's actually pulled from the plasmalook.org website where you would you would get and there's a, there's a uh, website like that for gnome 2 and and xfce gnomelook.org yeah, i think the main site is called blink blink b l i n g and uh, they just because at the first time i found the gnome look but there's also xfce look so i assume they just have a, a url for each desktop you can go to that website and get themes for everything from, you know, backgrounds to to uh, grub themes and everything like that, icon themes. But that, that arc theme is what I go for on that machine. And then on this machine, I have literally left it as is. The, uh, what is it, the Mint X theme? Mint Y? Uh, the, the, the current default theme of Mint. Well, there's a Mint X and a Mint yeah. Y. I think Mint Y is and a default. And I think I've got. Let me see, just uh, so I. Uh, themes. Icon. Okay, yeah, you're right. Mint Y. Yeah, Mint X yep. for the old ones. And then the desktop is set for. Mint Y Dark is the desktop theme, the icon theme. The icon and application theme is Mint Y, which is kind of cool that you can. You have that kind of granular control over you can have your 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 uh applications themed one way and your desktop yeah, another it is 
Uh, on the Debian installs that I do, I generally either use Papyrus or uh, Gnome Colors. One of the two of those. Is Gnome Colors just the, the Advaita icon theme with colored folders? Yeah, basically. I remember something. Which is kind of akin to the the Breeze thing where you've got the same basic theme, but you're changing the colors to be more cohesive with the color of the desktop yeah. that you're wanting to. Maybe I, maybe I should to. start uh, installing Papyrus from, from Gnome Look or a similar website. Because if I install it from the the repos and whenever and if i change the the folder colors whenever there's a, an update for the icon theme it will override it and it will revert uh, back to the blue ones which is sometimes sometimes happens so i guess if i want to uh, circumvent that i i should not install the icons from the repos or the, on the other hand if you install from the repos you get automatic updates but i'm not sure what uh you just don't get updated as quickly yeah. because you're going to get mm -hmm. it updated, you know, yeah. when the distribution updates. There's a question I wanted to ask, which I just remembered. Do any of you set specific host names on your installations, on your machines? On the servers, mm -hmm. yes. On on machines like this, yeah. no. Some people like to have so, some sort of theme for uh, machines. Uh, to ju just have a consistent naming scheme. Uh, I have a friend. Oh, yeah, okay, I see yeah. what you're so saying. So, for example, now. I have a friend who yeah. uh, names uh, all of his machines based on, I think, Greek or or Roman mythological uh, characters. I started uh, naming my machines uh, based on the the scientific names of uh, species, which it 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 may it which might might so it started uh, based. Uh, it started when I set my first wallpaper when I moved to SSC on the desktop, which was a my it was a it was a it was a microscopic uh, photo from the Nikon Small World website, which is a microscope photography contest of a small uh, crustacean, a copy pod, uh, which is it's like it's. Uh, uh, I, they they look really cool, I think. And uh, the specific uh, genus of uh, copy pods that uh, that was the picture was of, the the scientific name of the genus is Cyclops, and I just like the sound of that, so I just named my desktop uh, Cyclops, and that's uh, things. So for example, my previous laptop, uh, the name of the host name was Lacaria, because the first uh, uh, wallpaper I set it was uh, a picture of uh, a fungus uh, of, of mushrooms. Of the species Lacaria bicolor, which is the the bicolor deceiver in English, and so I just because the scientific name is Lacaria, so I just said the host name is Lacaria, and my current laptop, the host name is, I think it's I think it's pronounced Saline, S I L E N E, and it's a it's a bit of an interesting story because uh, I'm using Void Linux, and this I kind of like the I kind of like the word Void in general. And one day I was listening to a band called uh, Forming the Void, and I was looking through the the tracklist on the on the album I was listening to, and one of the songs was called Dream Root, and I found that name interesting. I looked it up, and turns out Dream Root is an act the name of an actual plant from Africa, and uh, the scientific name is Saline. So I thought it was it would be a fitting host name because it sounds cool, and I'm using Void, so it it's like coming full circle. Yeah, that's cool. I'm no, I now that you mention it that way, I I do name my machines. Well, it's not nearly that interesting, but I it's a three part name with dashes in the middle where I put WH for all the machines that are mine for William Hauser and then dash the operating system that it's running and then the machine that it's on. So example for example, this machine is WH dash uh, mint cinnamon dash risin. And then the the machine upstairs would be WH dash endeavor dash omen. And then the one I take on the road is WH dash arch dash HP. And uh, that's that's just so that I can, I've got like a, 
a way of knowing exactly what machine if I'm looking at a list of because there's if I look at my router configuration right now there's probably I'm not even exaggerating there's probably 23 devices just in this house connected to that and that's that's a way I I name everybody's machine that way so that I know precisely whose that's it all? is and what it is What's that? Just twenty three. Well, I could tell yeah, you. If I had that uh, many devices, maybe um, I would probably use a, a similar naming scheme as well. Yeah. Hold on. Let, let me log into. Yeah, my I'm gonna look real here. quick since. Because um, twenty three seems a little low. I forgot to mention the um, host name of my my Surface tablet. Uh, it's it's called uh, Aquarius. Not based on the the constellation, but based on the. But the song. There, yeah, there's a, there are this, the small insects called water striders, which uh, just glide on the surface of water, and because this they glide on the surface of water, I just decided to name my surface tablet uh, after one of their gen- one of their genera is called Aquarius. So I just went with it. It's 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 a bit on the nose, actually. Right here. Right now, I only have thirty items connected. I've got 20, but here's a here's a map, a network map for anybody that's looking at the YouTube right now. This is a map of all the devices on my network, and <laughs> yeah, five phones. Um, and the only reason it's this small is because none of the tablets appear to be on. Um, my I don't get the pretty network map. This is a Linksys. I bought this router because you can put. Um, you can put open WRT on it or DDWRT, but I've just never done that because this firmware gives you all the options that I need. And it's actually only 20 devices, but that's still, I dare say, more than a lot a of lot. people do. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I, so when I do that naming scheme, it's just to, in the effort to keep things identifiable on the network. But yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing is most people probably just go with whatever default thing the installer puts on there. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. I guess we should move along because it's already midnight over here it and like I said, PM. my sleep schedule is yeah. quote-unquote fixed now, so I, I will be going to bed earlier. Yeah. And we are right at mm-hmm. three hours right now. So Alright. So let's move on to... We don't have any vibrations this week, so let's move on to check this out. in check this out I just want to shout out again the two podcasts that I found uh, one of them is Surveillance Report which is uh, j- Privacy and Security News and the other one is Opt Out which is uh, about uh, services and uh, ways how uh, well it's described as uh, ways to opt out of surveillance capitalism so basically uh, just to be able to have the choice of what uh, of your personal data you share and what you don't share with uh, uh, companies like Google, for example, for targeted advertising and things like that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mintcast. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube, which uh, we are live every every two weeks on we- on weekends. You can post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, and Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. And our next and our next uh, live episode recording will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, the 21st of August, 2022. Uh, on the Mintcast YouTube channel, and uh, we have a link in the show notes for to convert this to your own time zone. Our next live stream will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Saturday, 
the 13th of August 2022, we have these uh, roundtable streams every other weeks, every other weekend when we don't have a show recording, uh, where anyone can join us on Discord for a discussion. And you can also, yes, and you can also uh, convert this to your own time zone via link. Our next live stream, which is not a show recording, will be at 2 p.m. US Central Time on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, which is a roundtable discussion where anyone can just where anyone can join us in the Discord for 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 a laid back uh, discussion, and you can also uh, get this converted to your own time zone via the link in the description. And you can and you can get all the live stream information at mintcast.org slash livestream. And now for the wrap up, you can send me an email at norbert at mintcast.org. How about you, Joe? Well, you can catch me on a couple of my other shows. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can find at tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which you can find at linuxlugcast.com. Um, not really using MeWe anymore, but you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, or buy me a coffee on Kofi. And as for Moss, um, you can, there are links for his fir- Full Circle Weekly News, Distro Hoppers Digest, you can uh, send him a message, bardmoss at pm.me, and his other information can be found at itsmoss.com. Bill? Well, you can email me at uh, bill at mintcast.org. I'm bill underscore H on Discord, at WCHauser3 on Twitter, at WCHauser3 on Facebook. Also, check out my other podcast. Uh, the website is 3ftpodcast.org. The name of that website, or the name of that podcast is Three Fat Truckers. You can get me at uh, jt at mintcast.org. Josh Thacker on Discord and at Metal underscore Foss on Twitter. Which I'd like to add is the greatest Twitter handle in history. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Our team of editors, Bill for all his work on the website and hosting our next cloud. Hopstar for our logo, Initardi for the animated Discord logo, Londoner for our time syncs, Bill for hosting the Linode, which runs our website, archive.org for hosting our audio files, and finally, and last but not least, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro that we love to talk about. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Slam! This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint.